Praise God. Praise the Lord. As we move forward uh, in our messages and, and, and studies on the Word of God, and we all know that one of the reasons that we come to church, I mean, besides fellowshipping and worshiping with one another and so on, is to hear and understand the Word of God because it is God's will that all of us would be victorious in this life. It is not His will that any of us should be struggling. While Jesus did say that you shall have tri- tribulations, amen, that uh, we as Christians, though, we have various tools and things at our disposal. We have Holy Spirit to guide us and to, uh, to help us to make decisions and to keep us out of trouble and to use wisdom. Them. And along with that, um, we've talked about the gifts of the Spirit. But today, I want to focus on one particular gift because um, it's, it is a gift that is, unfortunately, in the body of Christ, it, it is indeed somewhat controversial. There's lots of confusion, even ridicule, uh, concerning the precious gift of the Holy Spirit that is referred to as the gift of tongues. It is so widely misunderstood, and again, it's controversial. I don't know why it, should, why it is, because the Bible speaks clearly of it. Amen. But yet still, we have this thing where we Christians have to debate everything, you know. And to me, if the Word of God says it is, then it is. It's simple is that I don't have room, room for, for debate. Um, and if you think about it, this, this is the only subject that has a whole chapter devoted to it. One whole chapter devoted to nothing but the subject of tongues. And that's the uh, first, the first Corinthians chapter 14. The entire book dwells on the subject. The gift of tongues is a supernatural utterance that is inspired by God and spoken in an unknown heavenly language, or at least a language that is unknown to the speaker. Some have been known to speak other earthly languages Languages which they were not trained in. However, speaking in an unknown heavenly language is most often the case. You know, and you've heard me tell you, those that have been with us a while, that uh, early on in ministering here in Oregon, and I was over in a church in West Salem, and the Lord brought out a prophecy in tongues and so on. And then afterwards, one of the women that was in the congregation came up to me and said, I didn't know you spoke Arabic, you know, and obviously I don't speak Arabic, but, but that is clearly what she, what she heard, you know. So there is a supernatural, the gift of tongues is indeed something that is supernatural but yet still we seem, we the church seem to debate it. The gift came into the earth on the day of Pentecost Pentecost means 50 it was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus basically when they were gathered in the upper room um, that, that, and on that day there was a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit and we're going to read a couple of those scriptures uh, in a few minutes in a few minutes but um, I have to say to you though that the reason that this is being put in my spirit now uh, and, to, and to talk on it, even though we've touched on it in Bible study uh, over the years, but um, because there's so much happening in the world today and we Christians need to have every single um, quote-unquote weapon, if you will, um, at our disposal. Every single gift that God gives us, we need to be able to use those gifts because the time is indeed coming that um, you will begin to see more supernatural events, okay? You'll begin to see more supernatural events. You'll see things happening that is going to require much, much prayer as we move forward. We see the world changing. We see this country changing. And we Christians are kind of here almost like pawns in this chess game that's being played out. So we will need to be able to use the things and the gifts that God gave us. Okay, now this is just one of the nine. Um, the gifts of tongues many times will manifest itself in prophecy along with the uh, uh, knowledge, the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. You know, we'll see that playing out also. But today I mainly want to speak about the gift of, the gift of tongues. Um, what you see happening here in this ministry and many other uh, born-again, blood-washed, charismatic, if you will, ministries is that during the praise and worship time, you know, either the music leader or the pastor will lead the congregation in in prayer, praying in the Spirit. And what you see here is this is us praying to God. This is us communicating with God. It is not necessary that anyone here should understand what Kathy is praying or Marilla or Sean or anyone else is praying in tongues because that is their communication with God. When there is a, when tongues are spoken out to a congregation, um, which is then followed by interpretation, and we'll see where that is indeed scriptural, okay, and, and, and the Lord Holy Spirit, God deals very, very um, strictly with how that is supposed to be 
done. Um, that is when there's a message that from God that is meant to edify the church. Okay, and it should be done through interpretation. All right, if anyone is speaking out in tongues and there is no no one there to interpret, then that person should be holding their tongues back. They should not be doing that because it's not edifying the church. So you'll see two things happening. You'll see you hear us praying in tongues during the during the opening uh, prayer and, and and worship time where we are praying in tongues and I'm praying in tongues and those of you that praying in tongues should be doing likewise. This is you talking to God in whatever is going on between you and God and we'll see exactly what that is all about. The other part of tongues is if a prophecy comes forward in tongues for edification of the body of the church then that should be done with an interpretation to follow. Okay? And again these are not my words. You know, Never let it be said as you always hear me say that anything comes from this pulpit that is not based on the Bible. I don't want to give you my opinion. We're going about what, what God says. Okay? So let's start. Let's build a little bit of foundation here with that. Let's go to John. The book of John, chapter 16. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is that to my, to my dismay, um, I've heard various preachers over the years, and someone was talking not too long ago, maybe a month or so back, and was talking about it. And this was a, someone that I highly respect in, in ministry, and all of a sudden he just got all over tongues. And he said, tongues is not for today, and, and he just, just trashed it and said that it's a, it's a bunch of things that these are... Um, that these are uh, uh, Pentecostals do and you know and things like that and, and he just got all over and so I, he never got into explaining what does he base that on biblically you know and so that's that's what I have to, to go by and again as I always say too that you can't always you know there's no one human being that you can totally hang your hat on because we are human everyone is subject to air okay and I can I can forgive that I can forgive that you know but if you go on and on and on and you can never back it up by scripture and you never come back to clarify or to rectify yourself then that's where I start saying okay well I got to be very careful about what I receive and accept from that individual and we need to be discerning where, where that's concerned also when we're listening to people and as myself included <laughs> amen as I always say if you start hearing me going off the deep end I pray that you all pray for me and say what's wrong with Pastor Cobb please get a hold of him Lord and bring him back to his senses amen or to your senses um, John 16 and we just want to look at verse number 7 for start is here. Uh, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is ex- expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. All right. So this is Jesus right there saying that I have to go away. You see, up until the time of Jesus' ministry, death, and resurrection, Holy Spirit was only poured out upon those select few, the prophets of old, that God chose to use. You know, Elijah and so on down the line. All right. That's the only time Holy Spirit spoke to them. After Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus said that I have to go. It's expedient for me to go because otherwise, while I am here, I cannot give my Holy Spirit to you. All right. So right here. Jesus is saying that there's an action that needs to take place. Then we go to Acts. Again, kind of building the foundation here. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And again, now the words were about uh, verse number 8. These words are written in red, meaning that if uh, you have a red letter Bible, the words are speaking, are being spoken by Jesus. So it says there in verse number 8, chapter 1, verse number 8. But you shall receive power after Holy Spirit is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received them out of sight. Alright, so again, verse number 8, But you shall receive power after Holy Spirit is come upon you. Alright, so Holy Spirit, now, so Jesus is saying that you shall receive this power after the Holy, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So there's a connection between Holy Spirit, then, and power. There's a connection between Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus is saying, he's he's prophesying, if you will, or giving an instruction, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then we go to the second chapter of Acts, which we all know very well. Second chapter of Acts, verse number one. Second chapter of Acts, verse number one. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, underline that one accord there because that's very important. It's very important for us to be on one accord. It's important for us to be on one accord as a ministry, to be on one accord in your marital relationship, in your household. It's important for you to be on on one accord. Being on one accord is so important, as a matter of fact, on the flip side of the coin, when um, they were building the Tower of Babel, uh, what were those evildoers doing? I mean, they wanted to build this tower to ascend to God, right? And what did God say? They looked down and saw that they were basically on one accord. And God said, if they're in one accord, there's nothing that will stop them and what they plan to do, the evil that they plan to do, you see? So there's something about being on one accord. If you get into the demonic side, the cultic side of it, the, the Satanists, they also believe that and they practice it very, very quickly where they will be in one accord or putting a curse on someone or whatever, or what, whatever other evil that they're trying to, to do. So being on one accord is understood by, in, in, even, even, even in secular community, you'll tell you here in management studies about a business place being on one accord. So why is it that all of them can accept, the, can accept the fact that being on one accord is so important, but we Christians don't tend to give much credence to it. We don't think about how we need to be in agreement in the ministry, how between a marriage and, and a husband and wife relationship, they need to be on one accord. In a family relationship, there needs to be one accord. Okay? So while they were together in one, on one accord here, it says, in one place. And suddenly, verse 2, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, they began to speak and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right? So here we see now the Holy Spirit being associated with the speaking of tongues, all right? speaking in other tongues. And of course, if you read the rest of the, the chapter, which I won't go into, they were saying, well, how is it that? he's speaking my language? How is it that he's speaking Ethiopian? How is it that he's speaking? They were hearing interpretations in their own different languages, alright? But the, these, this was an unknown tongue, but Holy Spirit had it had it being received in different ways different ways to the listener and that kind of bears fact to what I was saying about the woman in West Salem who thought that I was speaking in Arabic All right, I heard another minister that was on TV that was speaking about this very subject and he said that uh, um, he brought forth a prophecy in tongues and one of the congregation members asked his mother said oh I didn't know pastor so and so spoke in that language and the mother said I didn't either as far as I know he only spoke English amen so that is evidence right there that here in the 21st first century that that it is Holy Spirit is still operating the same way now we also have to realize that what does God always say God says I am the same yesterday today and forever God is unchanging all right so why would God write something in the Bible and make a promise and all of a sudden because this is 21st century and now we have computers and everything like that that God's going to change the way he he uh, goes about um, um, talking about godly life the kingdom and things of Christianity that wouldn't be changing so man does not have the right to change it man cannot say that the Bible shows us clearly that you can't eat meat on Fridays and then all of a sudden because many people protest they have a council and then they say okay now you can eat meat on Fridays all right, and so so God doesn't change. What what is written in Scripture always stays the same. All right, so we see here that it talks about about the, the Holy Spirit coming. That at that time the earth was filled with the roaring sound of a mighty wind. People came running from every direction to see what was happening in Jerusalem. When they found that 120 of Jesus' disciples were engulfed in holy flames of fire and were speaking in tongues they'd never spoken before. Everything written in the book of Acts is a blueprint for the New Testament church of all ages. Therefore, the pattern the whole church should follow is to be baptized with Holy Spirit and speak in supernatural tongues. Though this, through this gift one may commune with God in ways that only God understands, it is actually the Holy Spirit praying through the believer. Now, that's what I was saying before. When you are praying in tongues and in, in, in privately, that is you in communication with God. And we're going to see why that is so important. When we are praying in English or whatever language that you speak, what you are praying is going through your mind. You know, and as I always refer to my favorite Aunt Tilly, you're thinking about, let me pray for Aunt Tilly, let me pray for Uncle Jack, and you're going through this mental list of everyone that you want to pray for. You know, maybe there's something else that is far more important for you to be praying about. So let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14. 
1 Corinthians 14, we'll start with verse number 1. Apostle Paul dwells quite a, quite a bit on the subject matter, and, and really it's almost too much to go into depth during a church service, but we'll let the Holy Spirit guide us and we'll get as far as we can. 14, verse number 1. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Please underline that. Okay, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. All right? And we'll just pause there for a moment. So when, what we're saying is exactly what I said a minute ago. For when you're doing that, you're speaking in an unknown tongue. You're speaking not to men, but you're speaking, speaking unto God. And this is what we do during the time of praise and worship when we first open up. Amen? And all of that is so that we can get, us, we can get ourselves in a spirit and an attitude of praise and worship during that time. You know, this is setting, setting the tone for whatever's going to take place during the west during the rest of the service you know that there are times that right after we're praising and worshiping we get underway that then all of a sudden we'll call the healing line we'll call the prayer line because it's whatever holy spirit guides us to do here you know we're not here to be locked into a box the only one we follow here is holy spirit amen so we have to understand what god is saying so you're praying there and you're communicating with god now let's go we're going to come back to corinthians so you can put a bookmark there if you want but let's go to romans for a moment romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 verse number 26 Romans 8 verse number 26 Praise God Likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. All right? For we know not what we should be praying for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So in other words, when you're praying in tongue, when you're praying in tongues, this is Holy Spirit praying through you, which is the perfect will of God. Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life. Holy Spirit knows what are things to become, to, to come. And if you cannot, um, you may not be able to sit down and just articulate and think about every single little thing that's going on in your life, every single concern, every single little worry. So praying in tongues is Holy Spirit praying through you, which is obviously the perfect word of God, word, uh, will of God. If Holy Spirit is indeed God, if Holy Spirit is indeed God, then God is praying to God, so to speak, and so it's going to be a perfect prayer, if you will. And it's not that you have to stop and think about, uh, and think about, oh gee, what do I need to pray for next, or who, know, who should I be praying for next, and go through a whole laundry list of things that you need to pray for. Okay, so again, according to what the Word of God is, not, not my words, likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered all right so praying that way in the spirit then is you uh, giving it to the Lord and letting Holy Spirit just pray through you whatever it is that needs to be prayed because obviously he's God and he knows best this gift was vitally important to the Apostle Paul because he further explains the gift in the rest of 1 Corinthians so let's go back to Corinthians you know all, all I can say is that um, as I started out saying that this is a controversial topic, and many accept it, don't accept it, believe it, and don't believe it. But until I see someone show me that what is written in the Word of God is wrong, then I'm going to follow what the Word of God says for me to do. You know, and I think we have to do likewise. You know, I'm giving you here what I felt Holy Spirit was having me to deliver. And you can read for yourselves, you can pray about what you hear, and then what you do with it is entirely up to you. The whole purpose of me delivering this message here, as is all of the messages that I deliver, is because of the fact that God does not want us struggling. God knows the issues that's going on in our lives. 
God gives us tools. God gives us his word. You know, God gives us all of the whole host of promises. There are books written on a number of promises in the Bible. Whether or not we choose to avail ourselves of those things is entirely up to us. You know, Jesus gave every single man on this planet that was, that is, and will to come the gift of salvation or the ability to receive the gift of salvation. Gift of salvation. That ability to receive salvation was given to Hitler, was given to Mussolini, was given to every, every horrible person that there was out there. Whether or not they chose to avail themselves of that was entirely up to them. So all we can do here is read through the word of God and see what is here. And then it's up to each individual to accept it, take it, and do, you know, and do what, uh, what he or she will with it. So continuing here in verse number 3, because we read 1 and 2. But he that prophesieth speaks, speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Maybe I should read that, go back to number two and read it through. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God, for no man understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. Now that goes back to what I was saying before. When you're praying in an unknown tongue and you're praying to God, this is edification for your spirit, so to speak, because this is you communicating with God. All right. If there's, when the time comes when prophecy is going in tongues to the church with an interpretation, of course, then that is for edification or the building up of the church. So that's the difference. The difference between the two. He that speaks, verse four. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies size edifies the church I would that you all spoke with tongues but rather that you prophesied for greater is he that prophesied than he that speaks with tongues except he interpret that the church may receive edifying all right so he's saying there that while he while he wishes and uh, and would love if, if everyone um, uh, spoke in tongues the most important thing is prophesying so that the church can be edified and we'll see we'll see more of the reason why all right because if I'm just standing up here and I'm speaking out into tongues to you and no to you now I'm not praying to God but speaking to you in unknown tongues then how is it helping you if I'm not saying to you what is being spoken in tongues amen amen so then it goes on in verse number six now therefore if I come unto you speaking with tongues what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine and even things without life giving sound whether flute or harp except they give a distinction in the sound how shall it be known what is piped or harp for if the if the uh, trumpet give an uncertain sound who shall prepare himself to the battle so what that's saying here basically is that the various sounds that instruments they use the trumpets for quite quite a bit here to denote certain things you know uh, they would trump a certain way to uh, talk about a warning uh, uh, that the enemy was coming down at you it's time to go to battle but if you didn't understand what those three blasts of the trumpet meant let's say then how would it protect you how would it help the city all right so every single sound what it's saying here that it it has a meaning. Even things without life giving sound, whether flute or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to, to the battle? So likewise, ye accept, you like, so likewise you, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh, a bar- speaketh as a barbarian, and he that speaks shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so you, forasmuch as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So along with speaking in tongues, if you're led to be speaking in tongues publicly and openly in the church, then you need to also pray that you, that you are also able to interpret. And again, the word of God here will get, get a little bit more into that. Wherefore, uh, they may turn, verse 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. 
What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So, let's step back a little bit and talk about for a moment then you praying in tongues when you're, when you're praying to God. If you are praying in tongues to God, and you're in deep prayer with God, and you're speaking in tongues to Him, then it is certainly right for you to be, to be wanting to understand what it is that I have just prayed to you, Lord. Okay, and so then what the step is, is that as you're praying in tongues, at some point you be saying, Lord, speak to me. What is it that I'm saying to you? You know, speak to me. All right, then Holy Spirit will give to you that whatever the conversation is, so to speak, which could be in the form of instruction, something that you need to do, something that you should not be dealing with, something you need to avoid. You see, so that perfect prayer between you and God, at some point, Holy Spirit, you should desire that you understand what it is that you've just prayed. Amen. So that you can benefit by it. Verse 16. Else, when thou, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how, uh, how shall he that occupies the place of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks seeing he understands not what thou sayest for thou verily giveth thanks but the other is not edified I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than men than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. So Paul here again is saying then, that while I may speak in tongues that I also pray in order to edify the church that I also am able to interpret because otherwise at that point in time he's not doing the church any good. He's not edifying you. So that again the difference between you praying in tongues when you're praying to God and, and, and bringing forth tongues and prophecy uh, in church. Brethren, be not children to understanding, however in malice be ye children, but in understanding the men. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, but to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Okay, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe, but for them that believe not, but for them who believe. Okay, so there's a purpose here. There's a purpose. 23. If therefore the whole church be come together unto one place, and all speak with tongues, and it comes in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that we are all mad? Alright, so in other words, if we were all here praying in tongues out loud, or even, even not so much praying in tongues as in the praise and worship service, part of the service, but if we were up here, I'm standing up here preaching, and everyone standing here is just prophesying left and right, and just talking and, and speaking in other tongues, and someone walks in the door that is an unbeliever, or someone that is not well versed in the word of God or someone that doesn't believe in tongues for that matter they're going to think that we're all mad and they'll say oh boy here goes those you know holy ghost rollers or those people again and I'm, I'm getting out here as quick as I can here and there they're babbling and so on like that okay so, so Paul again Holy Spirit words inspired here Paul is really saying it like it is uh, will they not say that we are all mad but if all prophesy and there come in one that believes not or one unlearned he is convicted of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is, is in you of truth. What he is saying there in very simple words is that, and I've seen this over the many, many years in ministry so many times, um, you have church about to go you don't have tongues and prophecies and interpretations coming forth when the service is in the sermon is in process alright but usually after praise and worship or during praise and worship someone will stand up and start speaking in tongues and then either he or she will interpret or someone else will bring along the interpretation there will be someone that is coming in for the first time but what they hear in the interpretation which is spoken in English may be something that is strictly dealing with them or something that is so apropos or so connected to their life that they will be convicted. That's what this is saying. And they will walk in and then all of a sudden because of what they're hearing, they will all of a sudden start and say, well, gee whiz, what is this? There must be something going on here. How could that person know that this is going on in my life? That's exactly what is going on in my life. Okay? And, and, and I've seen this. I've seen this happen more and more, more times again. Alright? But if, um, where it is again, um, and him, and him are the secrets of his heart. 
And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of truth. So he will come in and he will say, I'm not quite sure what's going on in there, but God is certainly in that place. Because no way could I walk in here and all of a sudden they would know so intently and so intimately what is going on in my life. How is it then, verse 20, uh, 26, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speaks in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. So again, this is not saying here in the ministry now, we should have ten, eight, twelve. This is an ongoing slew of people standing up and giving prophecies. All right, it's saying one or, one or two or three at the most, because all things need to be done in decency and order, and then let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophet speak to or three and let the others judge if anything be revealed to another that sits by let the first hold his peace for you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets so in other words there Holy Spirit is not going to give someone some prophecy and that, is, and that person can't control whether or not he speaks it. The person, the person that is, is gifted with the gift of tongues and interpretation that can bring forth prophecy, he certainly has the ability not to stand up and speak it. God is not going to just zap him like a robot and make him stand up and start prophesying in church. All right? and, and, and I know early, early on in, in moving um, in, in that ministry and feeling my way through it and feeling kind of really strange about it, I felt in a particular service something that God wanted me to say, wanted me to share, and, and I felt it, I knew clear as a bell what it was, but I, I did not, I was so bent on making sure that this was not me speaking, and whether or not it was actually Holy Spirit that was giving me the unction to speak, alrighty, and I chose not to because I just felt like, oh gee, I'm not sure, and I held back, and surely enough what Holy Spirit will do in a spirit-filled church like that, the prophecy will come out someplace else. Okay, and surely enough, the prophecy came forth, it was in tongues, and then there was an interpretation, and exactly what the interpretation was of what I had heard the Lord tell me to do, you see. So the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I chose not to speak. It was a valuable lesson to me, you know, it was a way for me to learn and and test and understand how Holy Spirit moves um, in a ministry, and so forth, all right. But the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, okay. And if Holy Spirit wants something to be brought forth to edify the church, and if you're not willing to do it, then he's going to move on someone else who is indeed willing to do it. Okay, and I've seen that time and time again. You you see, um, I've seen people stand up and bring forth in tongues, and then the church would be silent because no one had the interpretation. Okay, and either the pastor would go on, in some cases I stood up and had the interpretation, didn't bring forth the tongue, but I understood and felt what was being said. All right, so Holy Spirit is moving like that in the ministry, and it is always something to edify the church. All right, many times there are things that are going on within the ministry that needs to be brought to the forefront, and it will be done through Holy Spirit and through prophecy. All right, so, 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 so don't, don't mock those gifts, and don't think that those gifts are, are passe and that they were only for back then and they're not for the 21st century because God does not change. All right? And the Lord knows that, and my wife can bring testimonies that we've seen miraculous things happening in the ministry through a gift of prophecy and, and things on it, things that were being said. So, so this is real. This is real. I had, an, had an elder um, um, meet me outside the building and asked me, were, were you outside the door when we had that meeting? back last week when so and so and so was discussed because the prophecy had something dealing with what they were discussing and I said no I, I didn't he said are you sure and I said no I'm positive I was not there you see but it was bringing forth something that was brewing and cooking in there that was not really a good thing you see and, and I'm giving the praise and the glory to God I'm not talking this is not about me at all but I'm trying to show you how in a ministry this thing is real and it's in, it's in operation still today you see and you can take it take it for what it's worth and you know believe it or disbelieve believe it. So, so uh, verse 31 again, for you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and that all may be comforted. And the spirit of the prophet is subject unto the prophet. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. God is not the author of confusion. He is not going to have if you have someone standing up at the pulpit that is preaching 
and hopefully that person behind the pulpit is preaching under the unction of Holy Spirit all right, then you're not going to have someone bringing forth all these tongue prophecies and tongues and interpretations, which is supposed to be Holy Spirit, interrupting the one that's speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit, because then that's confusion. God is not going to be doing anything to, confu- to bring confusion to his, word, to his word. So what that is saying, and I've been in some good ministries there where um, someone will stand up all of a sudden, a fourth or fifth or sixth, sixth prophecy, and bring it forth, and the pastor will be very patient and wait and let him finish, and then he'll go on with the service. He will totally kind of disregard what was being said. Because he knew that no one, under the, no one following the unction of the Holy Spirit and knowing these words would be standing up and interrupting the pastor when the service is actually going on. Because if the service is going on under, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, then no one sitting in the congregation under the Holy Spirit is going to bring it up and bring confusion. God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Amen? Um... Okay, now here it gets down to something that's interesting, uh, verse 34. Let your women keep silence, let your women keep silence in the uh, church, <laughs> for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded, they are commanded to be uh, under obedience, as also faith, as also saith the law. Now, this is where many have taken the scripture and have decided not to let women preach and not to let women be active in the ministry. And what they're misunderstanding here, that at, at this particular time, um, in Corinth, there were a number of pagan, pagan people there, and the church was beginning to be organized. The church was just beginning to be organized. And you had some women that were coming in that, that were trying to worship God. But as was in many of the, of the pagan religions, they were often kind of loud, and they had a lot of jingling because of the way they dressed. The, the earrings and things made a lot of noise. And this is just referring to them, that those women that are coming in, kind of making that noise and kind of disrupting them, to kind of keep them quiet. This is all that is saying. This is not saying that women should not preach, that women are not filled with Holy Spirit. Okay? Because if that was the case, then this, would, this scripture here would be contradicting the scripture that says, that says our, um, um, God is not a respecter of persons. Amen? Amen? So God wouldn't contradict himself like that. Why would God say that women can't be speaking in church and then come around and say that God is not a respecter of persons? Holy Spirit is available to women just as Holy Spirit is available to men. Alright? If, if God puts it upon, uh, uh, chooses a woman to become a pastor or, or any other um, office in the body of Christ, then that is God's will and he certainly is qualified to do so. You see? But people, again, they take the words and they, and they, uh, they confuse it and, and get, it, get it twisted up. Um, Continuing here, uh, and if they will all learn, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. <laughs> what, what came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Please put a bracket around that. Amen. Let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done in decency, done decently and in order. Amen? So again, what this is saying here is that um, through this gift, one can confidently pray during a crisis when they would not know how to pray other words, you see. And I have found so many times that, that, that I don't know what to pray, you know. There are things that can happen in your lives, there are things that have happened in my, lives where, my life where I just cannot articulate the words. I just don't know where to begin, you see. And so to me, praying in tongues has been so valuable, valuable because I don't have to worry about, about the mind to formulate the prayer. Okay, this is the spirit praying with the spirit. It's when we start bringing our minds into the picture, this is where we start getting things confused. Because our minds, our minds as a check valve, as opposed to our spirit being a check valve, can make us think and start going down the wrong path. Whereas if you're letting the spirit of God pray in you, then, then you know, you're certainly going to be praying the right prayer because this is pray, God praying to God, if you will. Okay? Um, certainly one does not have to be confused, depressed, or sorrowful 
to pray in tongues and to receive the benefits. For many, many years, I've prayed in tongues under my breath and during the day, uh, just as a matter of keeping my spiritual battery charged. You know, you can also find that sometimes when you're just feeling depressed, you don't know exactly what's going on. You, you feel that something is not quite right. And all I can say to you is try, try, try praying in tongues. That's all I can say. Just to try praying in tongues. You see, because while you may not know what's going on in your life, God certainly does. You know, you know, your, your spirit may be sensing um, um, that, that something is wrong, but you're not quite sure what it is. Holy Spirit may be giving you some indications that there's something that's coming down the pike that you're not aware of, you see. And so I have found praying in tongues uh, personally very, very, very beneficial because I don't have to sit down to think about the words. Okay, is when we give time to let things be entertained in our minds, this is where we start getting into trouble. You know, we, we've talked about in other sermons how the, 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 uh, the battle that goes on between good and evil, between, between Satan, because he's the enemy of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren, it takes place in the mind. That's where it is. The battle is in the mind. And if the devil can make you think something is different from what the word of God is saying to you, this is where he starts winning because you start getting worried and you start getting anxious and you start letting fear come into your life. You know, last week we talked about Jesus uh, being, being, uh, going into the wilderness for, and being tempted by the devil. And what did he do? Each time he hit the devil with scripture. He fought him with scripture, you see. And so the more we sit back and we try to think about what is going on, the best thing is to do is to just pray in tongues. You know, let's read, go to June. Jude. Jude um, 17, verse 17. Jude 17, but beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. All right. How they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These are they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Okay? So just to read again, actually, verse number... Uh, 19 there, these are they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Alright, so again, um, in, in closing, go back and, and really read First um, Corinthians 14. Uh, Corinthians 12 also talks about the subject. And again, I encourage you... You know, to think about what, what we've heard here and think about how the Lord is, uh, is focusing on that because, you know, these are indeed spiritual gifts. It's one of, it's one of the nine um, Holy Spirit gifts. And it, it kind of it makes me shudder because people are quick to embrace the other, other gifts. They'll say that they go for, they can understand and believe the other gifts. But when it comes down to that one gift of tongues, they seem to disavow it, you know. And here we go again, because it's picking and choosing, you know. To me, that is akin and just as bad as someone saying, oh, well, you know, we live in New Testament times, so I'm going to just totally disregard the, the, the Old Testament. The law has nothing to do with me, you know. Well, Christ fulfilled the law. You know, when you get to the point that you're picking and choosing what you believe out of the word of God, you're walking on very dangerous ground. That's all I can say. You're walking on dangerous ground. You know, if you can't believe from Genesis 1 all the way through through Revelation um, that that is the word of God. And one of the things that supposedly um, separates us, quote unquote, born again, evangelicals, Pentecostal, you know, whatever man's title you want to put on it. You know, and if you just go back to the basics and just say, say Christian is Christian means that you are a follower of Christ. 
right? The term was coined by Paul at Antioch. So yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh yeah. You're born again? Yeah. Blood washed? Yeah, I'm that, I'm that. Okay, and you're a follower of Christ? Oh, okay. Um, you believe that Satan exists? Well, Satan's a state of mind. You know, do you believe that heaven, that hell exists? Well, we're living in, on earth today. We're living in hell, you know, today. You know, um, well, well, okay, do you believe that there are demons? Oh, are you kidding me? That's poppycock. Demons are out on Halloween when they're dressed up in costumes. Oh, yeah, and don't get me started on Halloween. But anyway, um, do you believe that demons could be influencing your life in some way? Oh, no, that, does, that doesn't make sense. That's, that's old stuff, you know. What about healing? You're sick. You're not feeling well. Do you believe you should have the elders of the church pray for you? Do you, be, do you believe that Holy Spirit can heal you? Do you, be, do you believe that through the laying on of hands you can be healed? Oh, well, that healing, not for today. That's expired with after so-and-so. You know, you know oh, Lazarus, Lazarus was the last one brought back from the dead, so that has nothing to do to me. That message has nothing to do to me. Okay? But yet still, you know, you can believe the other things of the Bible. You can believe the things in the Bible that make you feel good. You can leave, believe in the Bible about the things that are touchy-feely and promise you about heaven and all like that. But the things that talks about how, what you need to do to correct your life, or the fact that there could indeed be a demonic entity that is out there guiding your life and influencing your life and getting into your mind and messing with your thoughts that would get your mind stayed off of Jesus, then we don't want to accept that. Don't want to believe it. Okay? Things in the Word of God that God tells us to do we don't want to do okay so we're being disobedient and yet still when one says well you're being disobedient well disobedience is akin to what to witchcraft okay oh gee whiz you're one of those holy rollers no I'm not a holy roller I'm simply spouting back to you what the Bible says okay so we can't be picking and choosing we can't go saying, I believe in healing, I believe in, in the word of knowledge, I believe in the word of wisdom. And this. But that thing, tongues, well, that doesn't, you know, you know. How all of a sudden can I be out there babbling these unintelligible sounds and that I'm speaking to God? I don't know. I'm not God. Okay? And it's time for us to stop trying to bring God down to our understanding Okay, and rather that we reach upward and ask God, we want to know more about you. Increase our understanding. Okay? And, and, and I, I will say this to you, and take it where, the, where you will, but this you can take to the bank, as they say. The closer you strive to get to God, especially in those areas that you don't understand, or maybe even for a while don't accept but you're willing to go to God and say, God, I want to know about this. Is this really you? Is this true? And you really, really start seeking God. Draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you, he says. Not me, he says. The more you start doing and you're starting to be honest with God. And you're saying, Lord, I surrender. You know, I surrender. You know, and you've heard me say one of the hardest things for people to do, especially us men, is to raise our hands and to surrender to God. It's like a macho thing or something. We don't want to surrender. But the more you can just surrender to God during time of praise and worship, during time when you're at home praying, and, and, and simply stop elevating yourself and stop resisting God, but simply understanding that, God, you're the only one that can help me out of this, okay? As the time progresses and as Jesus continues to tarry, you're going to see and you're going to hear more and more outrageous things. You're going to see people lying on television when it's videotaped to, to back up that they didn't say that six months ago. You won't know who to believe, you know. You're going to see this, there's more and more deception out there. There's more and more false prophets, even within the body of Christ, I'm ashamed to say, but there are more and more false prophets. Amen? The only one that you can rely on is God, Holy Spirit. All right? When you're listening to someone speaking, and you'll know whether or not he's speaking from Holy Spirit, he or she is speaking from Holy Spirit. It should be a quickening to you. It should be a quickening. All right? All right, all right, all right. And this is what the Word of God says. These are not my words, you see. But we're living in an age here where it's, it's a whole lot more than us going to church for a couple of Sundays or a couple of hours on a Sunday. 
You know, I heard some, one, one speaking the other day uh, uh, that was saying that it's easy for us to pray on Sunday morning or devotionals are nice where you set aside an hour or so to pray to God, you know. But guess what, you know, being a Christian and following Christ is a way of life. It's not, a, it's not a vocation. It's not an avocation. It isn't something that we do in our spare times. So that means while devotionals and setting aside quality time is good, it's encouraged, but we should be talking to God 24-7. What does the Word of God say? The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent prayers are not little spotty things. Two hours on Sunday. Go to Bible study and so on. You see? So we need to be in a place where we are praying 24-7. And one of the beauties about praying in the Spirit like that is that you can do that wherever you are. You know? Because when the enemy comes at you, you know, you're not going to have the time to say, Oh, just a minute, let me go grab my Bible and let me get down on one knee while I formulate a prayer. Amen? So praying in the Spirit gives you that ability to just pray at any given time. When you're in the shower, when you're cooking, when you're watching the, washing your car, when you're behind the wheel of the car, you see? And you have to be thinking about what it is that you're praying because the Spirit of God knows what you should be praying for. You see? So it's so wonderful, you know? I don't want to say it takes the responsibility off you, but it certainly makes, it takes a lot of the thought process in trying to form what is it that I should be saying about God. Okay? Alright? So it's written here in the Word. Of course, like I said, one whole chapter is devoted to it, so it must be important to God. The Apostle Paul wrote extensively on it. Uh, chapter 12 talks about it a bit. Uh, obviously, the second chapter of, of Acts, you know, God made a point of talking about the Holy Spirit. And if it was just a matter of Holy Spirit coming upon you and the tongues thing wasn't a part of it why did God mention that in the second chapter of Acts you know in the cloven tongues of fire why did God mention that if there was no such thing as the tongues you see you know you see so it's all here and and again I think uh, I really believe with all of my spirit that the many things that we are hearing not only from this pulpit but from other, other pulpits is because of the fact that times are changing and um, I believe that many of the things that are, are in prophecy here in, ty- in terms of world events, world events are, are indeed beginning to unfold. Um, again, if Jesus continues to tarry, I think we'll see a whole lot more and more. So it's very, very important that we know and understand everything that the Word of God is talking about. Putting on the whole armor of God. Amen. Using the sword of the Spirit, the, you know, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Using that in the effective way that God wants us to use. It is not his will that any of us should be perishing. But what does the word of God say? It says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Okay? My people perish for lack of knowledge. And, and that knowledge, by the way, goes, uh, you, know, you, know, uh, you know, who knows that you can memorize the Bible from cover to cover. You can, under, you can, you can I mean, because they're, they're written words. So it's possible to, to, under, to uh, memorize the entire Bible. But it's understanding what the Spirit of God is saying to you through those words. That's what's important. Amen? Amen? So pray about it, think about it throughout the balance of the day, and let Holy Spirit minister to you, uh, or to you about it. If you're not speaking in tongues, you don't speak in tongues, um, it's something that you and Holy Spirit should certainly, I would recommend, discussing between you and God and, and finding out more about it. And through the laying on of hands, uh, many times I've seen tongues brought upon people, and that's also based on Scripture, through the laying on of hands. Amen? But it's something that I believe is very, very important because God wouldn't be dwelling on it so much if it wasn't. Amen? So praise God. So before we close, I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.